on fringe science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal, but take part ourselves. Yep. When they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Ross Blotcher. And I'm Carrie Poppy. And we are Ono, Ross, and Carrie. Yeah. And we're- Thank you so much. That's the end of our show. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. So we're here with part three of- Of Amazing Facts. Amazing Facts. so amazing. And uh, so- Welcome to Max Fun Drive, by the way. Oh, yeah. This is Max Fun Drive week- Best week of the year. This is a great month. This is March Madness. Mm -hmm. This is our third episode of the month. And there's an opportunity for you to get more, but we'll talk about that. Which sport has March Madness? What is that actually? I think it's basketball. Basketball? Okay. Because I always think it's baseball and it's not. We are both outside of our expertise level on that. Mm -hmm. But we're back with part three of Amazing Facts. And we have learned that Amazing Facts is Seventh-day Adventist in its bent. Not because they've admitted it. Yeah, not at this point. No, just because it's become apparent. There is much more to say because we'd only been to 13 (laughs) meetings by this point. We'd only been to 13 out of 10 meetings. So we've learned they have a person named Dave Stewart. We've learned they have a gill. We've learned they have a lull. We've learned they are Seventh-day Adventists. They have gills, and yet they don't believe in evolution. (laughs) I love that. There's nothing I can add to that. <laughs> and we've learned that they're Seventh-day Adventists, even though they didn't want to tell us about it. Mm-hmm. And are still basically denying it. Yeah. yeah. They, but on our next lecture, we had a new location. Yes. We were told after the end of day 10 that next time we are meeting at a church. Yes. We're going to leave our cozy home mm-hmm. at the Holiday Inn. And isn't this interesting? This so is they, interesting. They say, they say, oh, it's very expensive to come here and it's going to be much cheaper to go to right. the church. And it's like, you came here from across the country and you can just drop your contracts with this hotel. And did you not know how long this was going? Because we don't. We thought you did. And the hotel's just going to, what, fill the space with 24 hours notice and just let you off the hook and the church just accept it? I think you've had this plan for a while, sir. Indeed. And if you're joining us and you're thinking, hey, what's this Ono, Ross, and Carrie show? Well, welcome. We're glad to have you. But also, there was a part one and a part two of this episode. You may want to listen to them. It could be very confusing without those. Yeah, we recommend that. But we're going to tell the rest of the story. Here we go. So we had been instructed to go to the first Christian church. Of Burbank. Of Burbank, which was just down the street. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. We can do that. We were both like, ha, 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 first Christian church. And I said to you like... Oh, like there's ever been a second Christian church. And you immediately like raised your finger and, uh, oh, actually. Carrie's like, uh oh, Ross has a story. Yeah. And sure enough, my sister and I, it was the summer when I turned 11, we were on a road trip and we had stopped at some friends of the families in LaGrange, Texas. Mm-hmm. And so we went wandering off on Sunday morning because we wanted to attend church. Yeah. That's what we did. Of course. And so we walked off and we found. 
the Second Baptist Church of LaGrange. Can't believe someone owned that. That was awesome. Good for them. So, first Christian church and... Pretty. Yeah, traditional. Looked very familiar. In fact, I was even asking myself, have I been here before? Because mm-hmm. it just felt so familiar to me. A nice weathered, soft, warm wood. Giant A-frame building reaching up toward the sky, toward the heavens, if you will. I will. It seemed like there were other services that got conducted there, like maybe yeah. a couple different congregations so, used the building. I looked up their website and it seems like a few different congregations use this space and congregations from different faiths, all Christian, but different denominations of Christian. What we have learned here is that if you meet Carrie Poppy, she will look up your website. <laughs> yes, it will. <laughs> we were a bit late. We were told to get there at seven, usual meeting time. Mm-hmm. And Was it at seven, Moss? Is that what it was? At seven? Was it at seven? <laughs> seven p.m.? You know, I checked and yeah, it was seven o'clock. Okay, it was at PM. seven p.m. Okay. Mm-hmm. I got there late and by 7.19, it was still almost empty. And so I'm looking around, wow, what happened? And and maybe there's just a huge drop off. I thought it was interesting. They waited until the night before to announce to everybody, oh, we're going to be at the church this time. Right. And so I'm thinking, what if someone just missed that one night and they show up at the hotel and they're like, oh, where'd they go? So I assume somebody was at the hotel saying, oh no, now we go to this church over here. It's also been really, really rainy the last couple months. Yeah, we had some crazy rain for California. Thank God. And Lowell did thank God. He said this was a miracle miracle because the rain stopped halfway (laughs) to the church. Like on his trip, he was uh, as he was right. There, he came like, out of the rain. The rain stopped, and God wanted everyone to get to church. Well, thanks for intervening in the world, God. Yeah, that, uh, was, that nice. was a great way to use that intervention. Sorry to everyone else who got caught in the rain and yeah, didn't or get people to their who died, or churches kidnapped or whatever. Yeah. Sorry about that. So, of course, Lowell started out with one of his patented riddles. Oh, this is your night. Oh, this is a good night for me. My pride cameth before a fall. (laughs) Everybody was greeting me like, oh, it's the smart man. (laughs) And And asking me, like, do you know how smart he is? (laughs) Oh, I know. I've known a long time. Yes, yes. So, uh, yeah, he started with his quizzes. Right. And this time he asked us, what walks on four legs, two legs, Three legs and six legs. Yeah, four legs in the morning, two legs in the afternoon. Oh, I don't think he even said the time frame. Oh, did he not say that? Because that's like the usual formula of that riddle. Yeah, no, I think he was even more cryptic than that. You know, what was interesting, though, is I had never heard it with the six legs at the end. Mm. I had never heard that addition. And so I was thinking like, oh, okay, your casket, like the pallbearers carrying your casket. Maybe there'd be like six handles on your casket. Oh, okay. But he was actually thinking of- You haven't given the answer yet, but you've just <laughs> Yeah, you're right. But he was thinking of a, of a person with a walker. Mm-hmm. Makes six. Anyway, the answer is man or human beings because uh, we walk on all fours when we're babies and then we walk upright. So we're on two feet. Very good. And, uh, yeah. You, you got yeah. it. And then with a walker or whatever. And so Carrie won a prize. So I said, I know. I raised my hand and said, man or human or whatever. Mm-hmm. He said, come up here. And I won a hot drink. Yeah. Well, I mean, it wasn't hot yet, but it was- I won tea. It was hot to try. It was in the box. Chamomile tea. Was it my least favorite hot tea? Yes. Yeah. I think you gave it to me, actually. So I still ended up winning (laughs) in the end. What was really annoying was people then turned around and they asked Carrie if I told her the answer. I know. Well, you had won a lot of things at that point. It's true. But I said, no, he did not. I should have gotten the next one. It was asking who was the greatest sinner in the Bible. And I should have repeated my earlier answer. It was Moses. 
because he broke all Ten Commandments. All right. Yeah. Very good. I didn't have it in the moment. So then they did that raffle to give away the books, and they had to call eight people before they finally found a winner who was in the audience, because as you said, there was hardly anyone there. (laughs) Yeah. And so then I wrote in my notes, prophecies, a thousand years of peace. And I was all excited. Uh, But it turns out that was not this event. That was an upcoming one. Loves to advertise those upcoming events. Then we found out that his computer wasn't charged. Oh, that's right. And that night, David had a very limited amount of time to get through this. Yeah, he had to hurry. And he said, but it's a good lesson because it's just like our spiritual batteries. You have to keep them charged. Mm. Yes. Okay. He always knows how to make that connection. Yeah, sure. He so rests then- his case. <laughs> so then the E chord sang a song. Oh, yeah. We had nine people singing to us. Oh, interesting. I have here five women and three men. I have dun, five dun, women, dun. four men. You probably weren't counting the choir director who was singing uh, along. Aha, probably. Now we have it. Uh, I wrote down, a little off pitch, not painful. And they introduced the person who had written the song. Was in the audience and he didn't know they were going to sing the song. Yeah, a guy named Ryan, who it turns really out sweet. also works at Disney. Uh, and so, yeah, they brought him up. It was really sweet. And, and it was a really fun, sweet little playful tune. It was yeah, really yeah. Sweet. And I think you had even said something about liking the tune yeah. before we found out that he had written it. So yeah, yeah, that was really cool. Nice guy. So then we went right into the talk. The talk is called The Greatest Story Never Never Told. told. So first we got to look wait, wait, at... Wait, oh. Carrie, do you, do you understand? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so a reference to the greatest told, story. Ever, oh, you know that. Told. Very good. Yeah, this is never Yeah, got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he trotted out his atheist, all dressed up with nowhere to go joke again. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, okay. And then he started showing us... Some tombstone yeah, epitaphs. Yeah, he's, he's reading tombstone epitaphs, and they were pretty funny. And they you rhymed. identified at least one mm-hmm. as being from Disneyland? Yeah, one I had seen like in the shooting gallery at Disneyland. <laughs> They so, were they were clever little jokes. I think mm-hmm. I think most of them were actual real gravestones where people had senses of humor. Okay. We learned this one's going to be about death. Yeah. Da, da, da. So we learned the soul is something you are. It's not something you have. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And so he. So far. That's funny because that reminds me of Scientology, for example. You know where they say you Man, are mm-hmm. a thetan. You have a body. Yeah, one of the first things you learn in Scientology is man is a spiritual being. Right. That's repeated to you a lot. And so we're learning the same thing here. His support for that was a couple Bible verses where he showed us in Acts 27, 37, he said, we were 600 whatever number of souls together. And then in Exodus 1, 5, they mentioned 70 souls. I just looked that up now in the Net Bible, the New English translation. Uh And there's a note where it says the word nephesh, and I may be saying that wrong is often translated soul but the word refers to the whole person the body with the soul and so life or person is frequently a better translation Hmm. but david was really like resting on the fact that they were using the word soul right to refer to these people who were together Mm -hmm. interesting little side note there yeah he was very bent on persuading us that soul and spirit are different Mm -hmm. which i don't know like i kind of felt like well there's clearly motivated reasoning here but i'm not even sure what it is i'm guessing just from my previous experience that that would have played out if we'd asked about animals and Uh, why they seem to have personalities that they would say, oh, they have a spirit, but not a soul. Ah, okay. I'll bet you that's exactly what that distinction is. Because he kept making that distinction and I kept being like, I don't know why this matters. Sorry. (laughs) But that would make sense. Sorry, Coco the gorilla. Or Miss Ella. I've always wanted to teach an ape who can use sign language. To pray or something? To ask... Can I accept Jesus into my heart? 
so that then a missionary has to tell them, no, I'm sorry, you can't, you don't have a soul. (laughs) Right, great. Poor gorilla. Okay, then we learn the Bible refers to death as sleep. When you die, the soul ceases to exist. Now, this is for a very particular reason. Oh, man. Okay. All right, so I've got this backwards in my head, I think, from how they look at it. Yeah, because they're using these words in a very particular way. So I thought of spirit as being kind of the the animated body and the soul being the thing that lasts, that is eternal. But they're saying something different. Yeah, you've got it kind of flipped. See, I would have, and my version would have been spirit and soul mean the same thing. As my friend Jude would put it, they're the pillow that's inside the pillowcase. <laughs> I like where it. Your body is the pillowcase. Okay, okay, I like that. But they have it flipped from what you just said. Yes. So to them, the spirit is the sort of joie de vivre inside of you. Right. And then there's the body. And those two things combined make the soul. Yeah, the analogy he used was a light bulb. So he said, your body is the light bulb. This is already going to be a problem, but uh-huh. Yeah, the spirit or breath of mm-hmm. God, that is the power that gets added to the light bulb. And then the resulting quality is the light. That is the soul. Okay. So the soul is a combination of body plus spirit. Right. Everybody so, clear on that? Because we're not. But so when you die, the soul ceases to exist in that the spirit the body and the component body has gone away. The, yeah, the body has now been separated from the spirit, so you don't have the component parts to make up the goddamn soul. Okay, so then the spirit, I know you're wondering, like, well, where does it go? Where does it go? Exactly. So he tells us that the spirit doesn't go anywhere. In fact, it just goes to sleep. Goes to sleepy pie. And so he shows us some verses for that. Ecclesiastes 12, 7 says that dust returns to earth, spirit shall return to God. But... Hang on, hang on, hang on. It doesn't go immediately to God. It will one day. It will one day. Okay. But it has to wait. It just kind of hovers in the grave uh, waiting for the second coming. Right. Because this is a fair point. It says that the dead in Christ shall rise yeah. first. So if I I'll- remember reading this much when I was like a believer, reading it and being like, oh, this is really different from the concept of flying off to heaven when you die. Right. I remember feeling misled. The, the question then is if, if you just return to God right after you die, as people always tell them their near-death experiences and all mm-hmm. these other stories, well then, uh, how do the dead rise when Jesus comes back? Right. Are They're they like called from heaven? Out of heaven? Yeah, like back into go their back into your like, dead oh, body. Crap. Come on. <laughs> and then we'll come raise you again. So this is a fair point. It also kind of incorporates the fact that the Old Testament, you know, the original books of the Jewish Bible, Tanakh, uh, as Christians uh, have reorganized them into the Old Testament, very clearly says that there is no afterlife. When you do God's will, when you're in his favor, you are rewarded with many offspring and many cattle and livestock. <laughs> uh, but it never says anywhere, like, you're going to live forever. Uh-huh. And so they very interestingly kind of took this reading of scripture, and and I think they made a pretty good case for it, mm-hmm. for being consistent, oh, yeah, more consistent. Now, again, uh, as we've said with similar issues, I would say the Bible is inconsistent on this issue, but I feel that they've chosen the most consistent view on death and what happens. I think that's, I agree. Yeah. I, I felt like, yeah, you're being totally fair here. And actually, the guy who founded Amazing Facts, Doug Batchelor, who we'll hear more about later, he did a video called, Who Are the Seventh-day Adventists? or something like that. And that's his dramatic question in the talk. Mm. And he says, so who are we? Who are Seventh-day Adventists? And he says, we're Bible Christians. We're Mm -hmm. people who take the Bible very, very seriously. 
And on this point, at least, I'll give them that. Yeah. <laughs> Again, pretty much every other denomination says yes, that as well. Of course. Uh, of course. But I felt like on this point, I was like, I'm, yeah, you I'm win points you on here. this one. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I felt they were making a really compelling point and kind of finding a better path uh, mm-hmm. through the scriptures on this issue. So, yeah, he points out numerous verses, uh, you know, about Lazarus being mentioned as asleep by Jesus. And then he also points to Ecclesiastes saying that the dead know nothing. So he was telling us very thoroughly that dead men tell no tales. Mm -hmm. Now, this is where I immediately thought of the story of Samuel and the Witch of Endor. All right. And not too many people, especially Christians, are not very familiar with this. No one preaches sermons on this. But there's this moment in Samuel 28 where Saul is the king of Israel. He's the first king of Israel. And he's really upset. He feels like he doesn't have guidance from God. And so he wants to go speak to Samuel the prophet. But Samuel's dead. So he goes to this witch, the witch of Endor, not to be confused with the moon of Endor from Return of the Jedi. Where My the, favorite film. Where the Ewoks live. Yes. This is different. I love that movie and those characters. <laughs> <laughs> they're the ones that look like little teddy bears that wear the... That's what I pictured. Yeah, they have like little pointy hats. Yeah, they're like small Wookiees. Well, not pointy, like sleeping caps, right? Yeah. 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 You got it. yeah Nicely right. done. Nicely sleeping done. caps. Sleeping cap teddy bears. All right. But now you can remove that image from your mind because... I don't remember what else we're talking <laughs> This about. witch was not from that indoor, oh. I'm guessing. So witches had been banned at this point, but Saul goes to her and he asks to speak to Samuel. And so she brings up the spirit of Samuel and the text makes it pretty darn clear that they're actually talking to Samuel, which goes exactly counter to what David just told us about not being able to talk to disembodied spirits. Oh, uh-huh. And they're saying, like, there's no such thing as a disembodied soul. You can't talk to them. And I'm thinking, au contraire, but I've learned not to raise my hand. Right. <laughs> so I hold on to that one. I guess the obvious response would be, well, that wasn't a real spirit. That was a demon or something. Yep. yep. Okay. Yeah, that seemed to be. And they, they kind of introduced that, you know, saying that people say they see ghosts and that they talk to the dead, but those are all demonic spirits pretending to be living people. Right, okay. Yeah, he tells us that there are over 50 references in the Bible of death being sleep. Right. Really interesting. Then David said this really wonderful thing I wrote down. He said, now I want to know what's true, not what's comforting. How about you? Yeah. I thought, absolutely, David. Because he would admit that it's comforting to think of loved ones in heaven. Yeah. And yet they're kind of taking away one of these major positive points that Christians kind of advocate for that, oh, we get to tell kids that their mother who died before her time, you know, that she's in heaven waiting for them. She's with Jesus. She's happy now. Uh, But instead, they have to be like the atheist knocking door to door, you know, like telling people like, hi, I'm here to tell you today that when you die, nothing happens. Right. You know, they're saying essentially like, oh, yeah, the the spirit is just dormant. It's not doing anything. Mommy is waiting maybe two days and maybe another 2,000 years for Mm -hmm. Jesus to come back. Right. To be fair, I mean, if you're asleep, it's going to be the same either way, right? So, yeah, and they, they make that point that when you do get resurrected, you've been totally out of it. So it feels like the next moment. Right. I think that's how they can justify. There were a few verses, those crooked fence posts, where it really did sound like someone went straight to God. And so that's how they... T- oh, he did say, though, there were a few people in heaven Yeah, now. he said there were a couple exceptions. Yeah. Uh, and he mentioned them specifically. They were Enoch, Elijah, and Moses. Yeah, those, those were ones... Those three are in heaven now. Who were they made it. Specifically uh, mentioned as having been taken away before they died. 
so much room up there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then he put a, a list of 10 people on the screen, all Bible characters, and said, what do these people have in common? And I said, <laughs> they're in the Bible. And everyone laughed. <laughs> and you were supposed to take a mental note of it for me, Ross, because you remember all the laugh lines. Yeah, well, I'm glad you took a, a note note. Yeah, I took a literal note in my... <laughs> it says, everyone laughed. <laughs> There was a standing ovation and everyone was standing. <laughs> Banjos. David mentioned that he hopes to still be alive when Jesus returns, which is a common refrain for evangelicals. Oh, yes. And oh, I like it. at one point in this conversation, he mentioned that sometimes the best evidence is the lack of evidence. Mm, I disagree. <laughs> yeah, that is that is the classic line of the conspiracy theorist. Yeah. Oh, of course we don't have any corroborating evidence of chemtrails. That's how we know they're real. Yeah. <laughs> They're hiding all that evidence. Yeah, that's like I walked into a group and no one was talking, so they must have been talking about me. Uh-huh. Yep, um, that's a paranoid thing. There's no way I can talk you out of. David's mother also worked at Kirkoran State Prison, where Charles Manson is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was exciting. Now, I went there once on a story about Charles Manson, and that's where I found... Jesus? Maximum, no, Maximum Fun's Lindsay Pavlis's dog goose. Oh, wow. Yeah, he was running around Corcoran eating other dogs' shit and throwing up. Yeah, that's that's the truth. Oh, no. He was a poor little street trash dog. And I rescued him and took him home, and now he lives with Lindsay, and he's very happy. That's lovely. Now, you mentioned the important part of the 10 people in the Bible is that you got a funny joke in, but also we learned that- they... Oh, yeah, what was actually common about them? <laughs> they were all people who had died and then were brought back to life. Oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, I didn't write that down. And so he let us know that they had no tales to tell about All right. being ushered through a white light. Right. Yeah, a whooshing noise. I would be really curious to know what David would say about 2 Corinthians 12, where it says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows, was caught up <laughs> to the third heaven. Can you read that in a drunk voice? I know a man who... In- <laughs> Uh, a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know, God knows, <laughs> was caught up to the third heaven. Uh, in the body, out of the body, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Like, that more clearly been written by a drunk man. <laughs> just like, I was kind of picturing know. Trump's voice, you know, like kind of interrupting himself, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't, I know. don't know. God knows. I don't know. God knows. <laughs> Totally. Was got up to the third heaven. <laughs> okay, but we have the best heavens. But that is like one of the weirdest verses in the Bible because, like, what is this third heaven? Yeah, no, for sure. Oh, I bet the Mormons love. Yeah, that. Oh, yeah, they are all for that because yeah. now we've got levels of heaven. But what would David say? Because this guy's caught out of his body and he goes yeah. to the third the heaven. The third heaven, which uh, so that's Corinthians. You said Second so Corinthians writing? twelve. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So listen, David has an interesting speaking style where he pulls out his S's for a very long time to punctuate his words. Interesting. Just thought I'd put that out there. That's it? Yep. Okay. We learned that seances are bad. Harry Potter encourages speaking to the dead. John Edward claims to speak to the dead, and that's bad. Oh, yeah. And he told us a story about how when he was a prosecutor, he prosecuted a gang member who killed this young man, and 
the mother of the victim had a John Edward book, and he warned that mother that she was talking to a demon. Oh, right. Yeah, and he, he like really had to lay that one down like gently. He's like, look, you know, I feel like we're friends now, and I uh, don't want you to be offended or anything, but, you know, I think it's just important that I tell you as a friend that I think that's a really dangerous book. Hearing the story, I was like, Ugh! but then at the same time, I don't really want her reading the John Edward book either. Just mm-hmm. feel like she's getting punched around on all sides on that one. Now, a really interesting thing that we learned from him also about death is that the spirit is not immortal. Right. He tells oh, us right. that nowhere does it promise us in the Bible that your spirit will last forever. Right. Uh, he's letting us know that God doesn't promise us that we will necessarily live for all time. That's a benefit of accepting Christ's salvation. So he told us that sometimes we get these visions of dead loved ones. This is very common. He would even get visions, David would, of his father who died of ALS. Mm. He'd get visions of his father in dreams that felt like very, very real. And he said, sometimes those are demonic. Right. Um, Yeah, he says, if you're speaking to a dead person, you're talking to a demon. Probably. And if they tell you to do something against scripture, especially, then tell them to leave. And then he said a really interesting thing. In the name of Christ. Right. It's important that our listeners know this. So if you are visited by three spirits tonight... Tell each and every one of them to leave in the name of Christ. But by the time you're at the fourth one, just give up. Yeah, then. It's like you're, it's losing It's meant to be. But then he said a really interesting thing. He said, so if your spirit grandma says not to come to this seminar, tell her in the name of Jesus to leave. So he basically equated the seminar (gasps) with scripture. Well, we know Satan's been busy this whole time trying to keep us from these lectures. Yeah. But it becomes, I mean, a little bit of circular reasoning, right? Because he keeps telling us, if I say anything that goes against scripture, you call me out. You know, like I'm not the be all end all. Then he tells us, if someone tells you not to come here, you tell them to leave in the name of Jesus. You're starting (laughs) to make yourself out to be the authority, pal. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair point. Mm -hmm. So he talks to us about Eben Alexander, who was one of the famous people who had a near-death experience. Yeah, he talks about these near-death experiences, and he says the operative word is near. And Mm -hmm. yeah, here he's singing our tune. Because, uh, in fact, we did an episode of Sawbones, another Maximum Fun show. It was about near-death experiences and kind of the history. So we recommend listening to that one. Yeah. But yeah, he was saying essentially that these are all stories that were probably just demonic visions. And that the lessons of these near-death experiences are often things like, you can do no wrong, Mm -hmm. just love everyone. Yeah, nothing to fear, just love everyone and everything will be gravy. I got, you know, I'm half with him on this and I'm half not. I do find like a lot of these near death experience stories are just like so rote. They're yeah, just like, pablum. Be nice to everybody. Oh, wow. Really insightful. I, and I'm sure it was <laughs> for them, but like the telling of it is like not that exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah, you would just think like if God had something to tell you, he would tell you something that at least like motivated you to act differently in a specific way. He wouldn't be right. so vague. Like I feel like he'd at least say to me like, Carrie, you keep shopping at Target and slaves work for Target. Like uh-huh. if you really believe in love, why do you keep giving your money to, you know, like some right, call right. me out on something. Yeah, it totally reminds me of people who come back from an alien visitation and be like, wow, they came from hundreds of light years away and they abducted me to their ship and they told me to love everybody. Uh-huh. Wow. 
right. That's the first thing I'm going to do. If I make it to another planet, I'm going to abduct aliens, put them in my yeah, ship, like, and tell them to love I'm going to separate you from the others. Come with us. We've learned your language, and we're going to communicate to you. Love everyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're going to put you back down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, like, put something up their butt, send them on their way. <laughs> <laughs> We are sorry to all of our abductee listeners. That sure, was, yeah. That was insensitive. But, but if you have been abducted, I want to hear from you. I 100% want to hear from my abductee listeners. Uh, absolutely. So again, a lot of these people know their stuff. They can really rattle off their facts. Oh my goodness. He said a line here that really stopped me. He said, don't put evidence over the Bible. And oh, I was wow. like, whoa there, David. Yeah, hang Whoa on. Whoa there. That's a bad ordering of priorities because yeah. that'll lock you into your belief set and you will never be reachable by anything if you yeah. tell yourself that the Bible, your, you know the Bible's your interpretation of it is more important than evidence. Yeah, big, big red flag there. Yeah, that's no, not good. Okay, so then we get to Luke 23, 42 to 43, and his whole argument around this verse is that a comma is misplaced. This is very important. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you that today you will be with me in paradise. So he's telling us that I assure you today, comma, you will be with me in paradise. Because he lets us know in the original books as they were written, both in Hebrew and Greek, there was no punctuation. Right. No suggestion of where the pauses go. And that's true. Uh And also in Hebrew, no diacritic marks. So that makes it really hard to translate because you essentially don't know what the vowels are. Mm -hmm. He was saying that the translations always put the comma before today. In the Net Bible, it's, I tell you the truth, comma, today you will be with me in paradise. Right. But he's saying, no, no, no. I'm telling you the truth today. Right. Comma, you will be with me in paradise. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Here's what's a little weird about that, though. Uh-huh. The Bibles they had handed out to us yeah. are made for their seminars. Put the comma wherever you want. I know. Is it just that they want to make this point? I don't know. Put it where you want. You made it. Yeah. <sighs> you, you put your pictures on the outside. Yeah. Oh, well. Nope. Yeah, I think they just wanted to preserve the talking point. Yeah. Then we just went basically through verse after verse telling us the same thing. You don't go to heaven when you die. Okay, we get it. Oh, yeah. And we also had uh, more verses about punctuation, too. There's nothing better than signing up for a talk billed as 10 talks about the end times and ending up at the 15th one and you're talking about punctuation. (laughs) Right. Great. This is exactly where I want to be tonight. Hey, well, we appreciate people who care about grammar. Do we? This much? Uh, yeah, he also, I know a lot of you maybe who are familiar with the Bible are wondering about 2 Corinthians 5.8, where it says to be absent from the body is to be present with God. Essentially, that's a common understanding of why you leave the body and then you're present with God immediately. That's where he kind of introduced that time perception. Essentially, the next time you're conscious is you're being raised up to be with God again. So it just feels like, hey, I just died, but you've been sitting there in the grave for 2,000 years waiting for Jesus to come back. I was dead before I was born, and I didn't suffer the slightest inconvenience for it. True that. Yeah. We're nearing the end of this talk. He showed us a painting by his 
favorite painter, Nathan Green. This is probably like the eighth or ninth painting by Nathan Green we've seen. Mm-hmm. Who, by the way, is a Seventh Day Adventist painter. Oh yeah. Oh, this was a wild, like complex painting because mm-hmm. it was showing that day when we're all risen back up again, mm-hmm. and you've got Jesus coming in the clouds, and there's a mega rainbow going on. All these different families, and there's angels flying down like a whole army of angels. And they're helping the dead out of the grave. Mm-hmm. And I think like in particular, the artist wanted to depict like this one family being reunited. Like he knew this family who'd lost a baby. Right. And so they showed like the angel placing that baby back in the arms of the parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a sad little story. And then he said, and this guy looks like my boss, Doug Batchelor. And like half the room laughed. So a lot of that room was familiar with what Doug Batchelor looked like, which I think is mm. pretty telling. Like these are people pretty embedded in that culture. Interesting. Because it's not like Doug Batchelor's like, commonly known person i think probably even to most seventh day adventists he's not like a guy whose face they know interesting yeah i wonder yeah but yeah i think definitely a lot of people who came into this were already for sure part of the fold clearly okay so then lowell announced (laughs) this is so great lowell was like and we have a gift for our friend gill okay gill come on up and then he like pats his pockets and looks around and he's like Oh, I don't have it. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. That was the end of it. Oh, I wonder what I it would have been. Gil got his gift. Oh, I hope Gil got probably breakfast food. <laughs> probably. Oh, and Lowell did ask us again if we believed in him because he had told us that he would bring us pizza. Ah, if, pizza. If we arrived at the church for this lecture. And, and also it smelled very much like pizza, so it wasn't hard to believe. <laughs> right. So we're all like yeah, raising you our hands. Yes, it. we believe you. <laughs> we learned to trust you by now. Yeah. And uh, sure enough, we all had pizza. They served us many slices. They told us that they would find the best pizza in Burbank. Which is from Domino's, and apparently. It was Domino's, and that's fine. Except that Domino's was founded by a Catholic guy who used much money from Domino's to fund his little Ave Maria community where you can't get contraception. And they're not very pro-Catholic. Yeah. I, I don't know if the money still goes to him. I think his name was uh, Monahan or something like that. But anyways, I, I stopped boycotting Domino's after many, many years of doing so. Mm. Yeah, we came back on Monday, January 23rd. This time there were uh, about 45 people. So again, it's, it's pretty dwindled. I think that was a few more than had come last time for the first day at the church. But still, uh, you know, we've got a smaller crowd than usual. Jim came. Jim, my friend Jim. He won a DVD right up top. Yes. Yes, I was so excited, and he gave it to me. It's called Revelation, The Bride, The Beast, and Babylon. Bum, bum, bum. And it's got pictures on the front of a pretty blonde lady with little glowing stars around her head. And then there's the sultry brunette lady who is beckoning toward us with her hand, and she's wearing lots of jewels. Oh, she's adorned. That's a bad thing. Uh, that looks so much like a D&D manual. Yeah, it looks like the caliber of that really bad Dungeons & Dragons movie, uh-huh. like with Thora Birch and Jeremy Irons. Uh-huh. That kind of bad. And we have a dragon with one, two, three, four, five, six 
heads I can count. Maybe there are more heads. Oh, there's a seventh. There might be more heads. Anyway, so uh, there's a dragon in the background. So we were super excited about this. We have not watched it yet. We are waiting to watch it. Oh, that's not the one we've seen. Okay. No, we saw the one I got the first day. So Jim gave it to me. I'm holding on to it. We're going to have a little block party and watch it at some point. Excellent. Can't wait. So this woman who I keep calling Charo because that's what it sounds like her name is, although I'm sure that's not what her name is. She came up to sing a special song because it's always a special song. I think the song did not rhyme, which is weird for a song. Oh, really? Yeah. I kept like waiting for rhymes and not finding them. Weird. Not yeah. even a slant rhyme, huh? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I couldn't find it. That's not to say it wasn't there. But I really enjoyed, she did one of those at the end, like Mariah Carey style, like, <laughs> you know? I know. First up, we learned... There isn't just one resurrection, Ross. How many are there? Two. That's twice as good. So <laughs> there's the first resurrection that's described in John 5, 25, yes. 28, and 29. That's when people in their graves wake up. Yeah, that's the resurrection of life. Right. And that the only the righteous people in their graves wake up. Right. How many years later would you guess the second resurrection is? Let's see. I don't know, like uh, five years. A thousand. Oh, all right. Yeah. Okay, sure. Big diff. Look, you've been bad. You didn't accept Jesus. I want you to sit there for another thousand years. But don't worry. It'll be like the blink of an eye. Okay, so for that thousand years, mm-hmm. the yeah, righteous- what happens? rule alongside Jesus. Now, rule over who? Yeah, what do they rule over? Yeah, what? Because there's no evil people. Don't worry. We figured it out. It's the angels. Yeah, they rule the over the angels. angels. And what have the angels been doing this time? Are they lawless? Yeah, they've- They've got I mean, no one to rule over them? They're, they're just, just wild? Just doing God's bidding, like, this yeah. whole time, never having the opportunity to have free will and do all the shit we did. Yeah, the angels are a weird piece of theology. Yeah. And it's always interesting to see what a religion does with its angels. Mm-hmm. But yeah, what is this? Like, they've been waiting for us to be their leaders for all this time? Yeah. Now, what comes next? That's the resurrection of damnation. And like you said, that's after a thousand years. Right. So yeah, David definitely said he wants to go without dying. So he would just get caught up in the resurrection of life while he's still alive. He said, but if the Lord tarries, then I'll be there in the first resurrection. Then David told us we'll be surprised by the people who are with us in heaven. Right. Less surprised by who's not there, more surprised by who is Like, oh, they let you in. Oh, look at that. I thought Hmm. I was special, but they let you in, huh, Adolf? That's pride. That doesn't exist in heaven. Oh, all right. Fair enough. But surprise does. Then he said, you know, uh, animosity for other people will be swept away. Mm -hmm. And he said, maybe there's even someone here tonight who carries animosity in their heart towards someone else. And it wrote down, no way, impossible. (laughs) (laughs) It's just such a cold reading technique. (laughs) Maybe in this room of of 50 people, there's one person. I'm the one who has animosity. I'm the one who hasn't gotten over one thing in my whole life. Yeah, and then he reminds us that uh, Jesus is preparing a place for us in heaven. And so at first, New Jerusalem will be in heaven for now, I guess. Then it goes to the earth at some point. Then it moves to the earth. Yeah, that's right. Sure. That makes total sense. I hope they built it in such a way that its foundations could be easily kind of picked up and moved. Yeah, it's like a mobile home. Okay. Or it's like, or one of those prefab homes. Yeah. You just 
moving pieces. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, this is interesting. When Jesus returns, mm-hmm. the wicked people who are still alive, mm-hmm. they can't stand to be around Jesus, so his presence will literally just destroy them. Yep. Some will hide. Some will try to kill themselves. I mean, it's like oil and water. We're given like the order here in the millennium. Okay, so Jesus returns, then the mm-hmm. righteous dead are raised, mm-hmm. and then the living saints are caught up. And then the saved go to heaven, Mm -hmm. then the living wicked are slain, and then the dead wicked remain in their graves. Ta-da. Great. Real bloody. And we're told, you know, in Revelation 21 through 3, that Satan is bound in chains for a thousand years. Now, are these literal chains? (laughs) Oh, a leading question. Is that you, David? (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I have a feeling that because you phrased it that way, the answer is no. That's correct. It's just he's left on earth alone. He's got no one to exercise his power over. And so essentially that's a prison. Pris- uh, prison planet, okay. if you will. <laughs> this whole idea of when Jesus comes back, some people will like hide made me immediately think of those pins people used to have that say, Jesus is coming, look busy. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, and then he also points out that in the scripture it mentions a bottomless pit. He's like, why does it say a bottomless pit? Well, if you look at the word in Greek, it's abusos, which means an abyss. And then he found some metaphorical way how it's not really a pit. It's just, you know, being on earth. Sure. Because, yeah, when you read the Bible plainly, it says that Satan is bound up in this bottomless pit with chains. Uh, But no, that's all metaphorical all of a sudden. Right. Which is fine, but sometimes they take these things incredibly literally. Yep. Um, Whenever it's convenient. This is about when my notes turn into, I am so bored, 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 bored. There is this turning point for me at these talks where they become, um, you might say, too long. Oh, but David told us a wonderful story at this point. Yeah. He said that one time he gave a sermon in Toronto and a Muslim man cried. Because his whole family was Christian, but he was the only man who was not Christian. He was a Muslim. And so he knew he was going to be the only one left out in the rapture. And did we want to be the only ones left out? Never thought of it that way. Yeah, that sure sounds like a true story that definitely happened and not... A made-up story for my benefit. Oh, yeah. He also mentioned, it says in Revelation 27, Now, when the thousand years are finished, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to bring them together for the battle. What is Gog and Magog? The four corners of the earth. Well, those are only two, first of all. (laughs) That's what I was going to point out. That's always bothered me. It says, we'll go out to deceive the nations at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, (laughs) (laughs) to bring them together for battle. I guess they're actual like places. And he says like, oh, yeah, we can identify where Gog and Magog are. But yeah, where are the other corners? And why does the earth have corners? None of that makes sense. It doesn't have corners. No. But they're great names. Gog and Magog. Would you rather be Gog or Magog? Gog and Magog were in a boat. Gog fell out. Who is left? <laughs> uh, would you? Li- I'd like those to be our new nicknames. Gog and Magog? Yeah. Would you rather be Gog or Magog? I'll be Gog. Okay. Oh, good. Because I, w- I was thinking Magog, but I didn't want to take it. Gog and Magog are the enemies of God. They're old nations from the Bible. That's what oh, you told us. Okay. We also learned that heaven has transparent gold and precious stones. Then I have a quote from David here. He said, let me just say this. 
God loves jewelry.、Mm, interesting. Yeah, that'll be will, very interesting coming up. That will be very interesting because we will learn that God may love jewelry, but not on me. We also learn that when we get to this point, God will recreate the earth, and then all signs of death will be gone. Except the scars on Jesus's hands and feet. Oh, specific. Those will be the only reminders. But there、wow. will be no more cancer, none of that stuff. And then the Bible also clears up some misunderstandings about hell. So we learn that no one is in hell today. Hell takes place at the end of the millennium. Okay. It's on the face of the earth. Right. It's not under the earth. Right. Made that very clear. And who's in charge of hell? Satan. No. God is in charge of hell. Oh right, right, right. Not That's、Satan. right. I remember this. And then Satan himself is cast into hell. Uh huh. So we learned that. So yeah, they don't believe in hell as this like place of everlasting torment. He also told this story about a man who had this picture of his son, and he was rich beyond measure, and then. He died, and he had all these paintings, and everybody wanted to come bid on the paintings. But they said first we're going to auction off the picture of his son, and nobody wanted it. So the gardener got it, and when he paid like twenty bucks for it, he won everything, and he became rich. And I wrote here, Ross has heard this before, comma Carrie is no longer listening. Yep, that's right. <laughs> you were tuned out. Yep, I could barely listen. Carrie was to falling asleep as I was.、That. Yeah, I could see her slumping、yeah. in her chair. All right, <laughs> then we're asked who wants to accept God tonight. All right, here we go. And so I wrote, most hands raise, but we just kind of awkwardly sat there. Uh huh. And this was the first of、uh, many times we will be called upon. Also, he was like, who wants to accept God tonight? And then he kept broadening it. It was like, if you want to accept God tonight, now, okay, well, maybe you've accepted Him before, but you need to recommit yourself. Okay, <laughs>、right. well, maybe. Can we get some more? Up, yeah,、please. maybe you've screwed up in the last few months, and you just need some redirection. Until it's like every hand, but yours, mine, and Jim's. <laughs> right, it was awkward. Yeah, but we're not gonna fake it. Nope. Yeah, not not doing that. So there was the pizza and desserts afterwards, and Jim and I stuck around for a while. You had left, but I wanted to ask David my questions, and so I asked him about the four corners of the earth. And he almost looked like he sort of deflated. He kind of did this sort of like step back and sort of hunker over a bit thing. And <sighs> he sort of looked over at、uh, the music director and said, "Do you want to answer that one?" So the music director said, "Oh, it's the directions of the compass: north, south, east, and west."、Mm. And David's like, "Yeah, <laughs> okay, all right. Those are the、why、four. There are only two. Well, I mean, why are Gog and Magog the four corners of the earth? Yeah, yeah." But okay. And then I asked him, "What about Jesus appearing in the sky to everybody? What about all the antipodal people on the other side of the earth?"、Mm-hmm. And I kind of offered the solution to him that he sort of went with. It's like, yeah, I thought it would be like a kind of a moving show. I don't think that was his exact terminology, but essentially,、mm-hmm. Jesus would kind of move across the planet. But again, from any viewing right, angle, it's like Santa, <laughs> exactly. But I don't care how high up off the earth he is; he's got to cover a lot of ground, right? Cloud and rainbows and angels—they're going to be like moving all over the place to go hit like New Zealand, and then they've got. To get the people down at McMurdo Station in Antarctica, and then they've got to like go up to.、Uh, I wonder if they'll have that、Norway. tracker like they do with Santa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a NORAD tracker. NORAD tracker. That's it. He kind of agreed to that, but again, he looked so unenthused. I, I just felt like he does not like to go off the script. 
Definitely. And if you go to the Amazing Facts website and look up some of the topics, like I'll be continually surprised by how much of the wording of David's talks are like exactly taken from the study materials on the website. Right. A lot of it that I just thought was like him offhandedly saying things will be like verbatim in there. Interesting. And uh, and that was it for day 12. But wait, before we tell you more about what happens at Amazing Facts. This is the greatest week of the year. Pretty much. This is Max Fun Drive 2017. The year it all happens. The big show. A plus, number one, top tier. The Paragon. The Paragon, the yes. The quintessence of all weeks. The blended Frappuccino. The $25 smoothie of pledge drives this happens once a year it's a celebration of all things max fun all the shows are putting on extra content releasing incentives bonuses maximum fun is and has always been a listener supported network the max fun drive happens once a year it's our best shows of the year we offer great thank you gifts and it's the best time to sign on as a member yeah and and if you do you're gonna feel awesome every time you listen you'll be like hey I, I con- did that. I contributed to that. I'm part of this. I did build that. <laughs> That's right. And uh, you're going to help us reach our goal of 10,000 new and upgrading members for Max Fun. Yes. So if you're already a member, that's okay. You can still be part of this. You can upgrade your membership. Upgrade. And you're going to get all of these awesome incentives. And you're going to count toward that Meeting new and that upgrading goal. goal. And you're wondering, well, what's going to happen if I like hit a goal? Well, We're first s- of all, why is your voice so sluggish? Yeah. Come on. Step Drink it up. some caffeine or yeah. something. Block that a But we're going to sweeten the deal. We've got all kinds of extra bonus content. If you can help us meet our own milestone. On rack milestone. Yeah. And so if we hit 1,000 new and upgrading members. 1,000, What are we going to do for them, Carrie? 1,000, We are going to release the well-anticipated, well-loved, well-sought-after. And well-spoken, frankly. Well-spoken John Hodgman live episode from Very, Very Fun Day. So only a select few got to see this live in Chicago. And maybe you didn't get to go there. I understand you don't live in Chicago. And this is, you don't. this is a whole separate investigation. Yeah. We tried out the Think device. Which is a transdermal electrical neurosignaling device. Nicely done. Basically, we electrocuted our own brains and John Hodgman's brain for science. Mm-hmm. But if we can get a thousand people... To say, we love you, Ono, Ross, and Carrie, we will let you hear it as if you were there. Then if we get to the goal of 1,500 new or upgrading members... Then you get not just the John Hodgman episode, no, no, you also get... We're going to add as exclusive bonus content just for our supporters an audio track... To go with Star Wars. Episode four. Uh, well done. A New Hope. A New Hope. Hey, look yeah, at you. Yeah, that's right, Ross. You already know so much. <laughs> hey, we're off to a good start. We're going to record our own commentary track to go with that Star Wars movie, the original Star Wars film, where I try to school Carrie on all of the nerd lore, and she gets really annoyed. <laughs> Because if you listen to On Rec a lot, you know that I never know what's going on and when she, Ross talks about this And she stuff. offers her derisive opinions of everything that's occurring <laughs> no, but, on the screen. I think this is a misunderstanding. <laughs> now, the first time Carrie tried watching episode four, she fell asleep. That's correct. Fell asleep on Ryan Lockwood's shoulder. We all know what a fox Ryan Lockwood was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Carrie will learn what a land speeder is. She'll learn if she can shoot womp rats in her T-16 back home. I definitely haven't heard these ones, but I have heard of Princess Light. Mm-hmm. and Luke Skywalker. Okay, what is Leia's last name? She'll learn that. 
Skywalker? Wait, I don't know if that's in the film. It's Leia Organa. Oh, okay. Well, I know she, was she ado- turns out to be Luke's sister, right? Right. Okay. But she was adopted by Bail Organa. By Beowulf? No. Oh. And she's raised on the planet? Neptune. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you just went with it. Oh, so Carrie doesn't know what happens to Alderaan. Oh, God. I like, I'm trying so hard to pay attention to what's happening. <laughs> Guys, you got to hear what happens. So please support the show. Yeah. And we're going to make this awesome thing happen. It will. Uh, it'll be ridiculous. What if we get past that, though? What If we get past that, if we get to 2,000 members, two there's going to be 2,000. 2,000, 1,000, the year 2,000. Then there will be another stretch goal, even more amazing than that, but we can't even announce it. It's too golden. But first, got to get to 1,000, so help us out. So listen, you can support our show by becoming a Maximum Fund monthly member, or if you're already a current donor, first of all, you're awesome. Thank you. Yes, thank um, you to all our donors. Maybe consider increasing your support during the pledge drive. You'll be eligible for all the same thank you gifts we're offering new members this year. So you can donate at a wide range of levels from $5 a month to $200 a month. So if you donate at $5, you get all of the exclusive bonus content that we're talking about. So all of the downloads, and that includes our previous firewalking episode. Yep. One of my favorites, because it haunts me to this day. It includes a blooper episode, a lot of good stuff. And also it includes bonus content from all the Max Fun shows going back years. We're talking about hundreds of hours you of You unlock tons of bonus. content. And we've got a new bonus episode coming out. It's an interview with Allison Howe. So Allison, belonged to Gene Scott's church. And Gene Scott, of course, was the husband of Melissa Scott, whose organization Faith Center we investigated a few months ago. So she tells us about her time in that church. It's pretty wild. Yeah, what it was like being a teen under Gene. Now, maybe you have... $10 a month to give us. Oh, well, then you're going to get something extra. Yeah, so you still get that exclusive bonus content, of course. But what do you also get, Ross? You also get an exclusive enamel pin designed by Megan Lynn Cott, who you may remember from two years ago, she did some awesome illustrations of the Max Fun hosts, and we were kittens. Well, all the hosts were kittens, but we were cats who were like batting dowsing rods and pendulums. It was was awesome. Yeah, amazing artist. And so you would get this pin. We're looking at it. It's designed to look like a planchette from an Ouija board. It's so great. Yeah, so if you pick us as your favorite show, you get this great little pin that celebrates on rack but you can pick any show as your favorite show and get a pin celebrating that show yeah so there are more gifts you can get we'll talk about those in a little bit but how do you get to them ross you're gonna go to maximumfun.org and then you're gonna click on donate and then you select the membership level that's right for you you'll provide your credit card some other basic information including which max fun shows that you listen to make sure to choose us and voila you remember. So your donation will process automatically each month. You don't have to do anything else unless the card expires or you decide to cancel. But why would you? You love the feeling of supporting us. So we need people to donate now while you're thinking about it. Yeah, keep listening to our show and, uh, and remember, our goal as a network is to reach 10,000 new and upgrading donors. Our goal right now as OnRack is to just reach 1,000 of you. 1,000, 1,000, 1,000. In the year 1,000. And as soon as we hit that 1,000, we will release the Jonathan Hodgman Think episode. Yeah. Do it right now while you're thinking about it. All right. So day 13. Now, I came Very in. Very unlucky. Oh. Yeah. Have you heard that? 
That's very, that's very Triskaidekaphobic of you. Uh, so Jim Newman and I showed up that day. I couldn't be there. Where were you? I think that was the day that I had tickets to see the last five years, which I had bought a long time before, not knowing that this thing would way overstay its welcome. <laughs> right. There was no way to anticipate nope. just how long this would go. That's funny because uh, David tells us how exciting the next day's talk is going to be. This is a Friday. He's telling us about Saturday's talk. He says, do you have other plans for tomorrow? I want you to talk to the Lord about how you can change them. Gosh, he really lays it on thick. He does. Anything to keep people here. Yeah. He, uh, he tells us there's going to be a potluck after the service the next day. Okay. And he says that there will be Ukrainian potato salad. Ooh, now what does that entail? Now, Nina leans forward at this point. And she says, it's, it's not Ukrainian. And Dave says, but... But you're Ukrainian, so it's Ukrainian. <laughs> he loves us to know she's Ukrainian. Loves it. So Nina then sings for us, uh, No More Nights. Great singing. Actually, I think that was her most impressive song. Oh, okay. It's fantastic. So this talk is The Truth About Hell. Dun, dun, dun. Well, so far, we already know that hell like only has Satan in it and no people go to it. What more can we know? So uh, he said that the three questions about hell that were most commonly asked are, when is hell? I don't recall anyone asking. What? That's not even a sentence. I know. My question at the time was, what the hell? (laughs) (laughs) The second question he suggested was, where is hell? Okay, fine. And then he mentioned the stories about those diggers in Siberia opening up the pit of hell. Have you heard about that? No. There's uh, there's this popular story, like the kind of thing that gets played on Coast to Coast, uh-huh. AM, where this team is trying to dig down to the center of the earth for just geological study or whatever. And they get to this point where the drill bit breaks down very easily and they've like pierced the crust of the earth. And then they hear the sounds of screeching souls because they've hit hell. Oh, sure. Definitely how that happened. So he rightly made fun of that as being sort of an urban legend, which it totally is. Right, of course. Now, I would say the most common question you hear about hell is, does hell exist? Mm, well, that's not on this list because okay. number three is, how long is hell? What? These are not <laughs> sentences. For someone so concerned about the placement of a comma, <laughs> these sentences don't have syntax. I'm sorry, Carrie, but those are the three questions about hell most commonly asked. And so before he gets going, he asks us, can the Bible contradict itself? <laughs> With his leading Yeah, what, uh, do you, what do you think the answer is to that, Carrie? No. <laughs> he lets us know that a house divided against itself cannot stand. So the Bible itself, of course, has to be consistent. Right. So what do we do when we encounter a seeming contradiction? Tap dance around it. <laughs> Consider the weight of the evidence. Wait, no, I was told not to pay attention to evidence. Only if it conflicts with the Bible. Right. Consider the weight of the biblical evidence. Mm -hmm. So there might be... Confusing. Yeah, this is where he really spells out his fence post analogy. So there might be a couple verses that seem to contradict. What do you do with those? You take those fence posts and you align just the two that are crooked because the others are all fine. Okay. So when is hell? We learn... (laughs) How through is the truck? So the angels shall cast the tares, the wicked, in the fire. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And it says hell shall come at the end. So we learn that hell comes at the end. Of? 
well. Will any of this be a sentence? We learn in Job that the wicked are reserved to the day of judgment. We learn in Revelation 20 that fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's really, they're so overkill with these verses. I really only need like two to make the point. Like one to set the point, one to confirm that you haven't just found an odd man out verse. But they'll go at it with like eight verses to prove right. the same point. Yeah. And I'm like, this is so unnecessary. And that's what I'm doing right now. I'm scanning through a bunch of verses trying to find like, okay, where does he make the actual point? Now, it was interesting. He did make a note that there are many atheists who reject God because he tortures people. Uh-huh. And he like agreed with that. He said, like, I agree. That would be terrible if God was like in the torture business. This kind of nicely cleans up that issue. So essentially, as we mentioned earlier, God waits until the end of that thousand years And then he brings back to life all of those wicked dead, and then he kills them again. Great. But it's like they were already unconscious and asleep, so why not just kind of like cut the cord? Let it go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, they come back briefly like to consciousness, and then they get burned up. Yeah, no. But that's hell, is the burning up moment. So it's very fleeting and transitory. Yeah, it feels like... I don't know. It kind of reminds me of someone who breaks up with you and then drunk calls you a few months later and is like, I just realized there were some things I never got to tell you. Like that you're a jerk (laughs) and that you should have never even gotten some of this and I break up with you again. You know, and it's like, you could have just let it go the first time. (laughs) You know, as good of an analogy as the ones I was hearing. <laughs> yeah, there was like a verse in Malachi that mentioned burning things up and leaving ash. He's saying, ah, ash can only burn once in fire. Once it's ash, then it's just as burnt as it's going to be. So that was kind of like how we know that once the wicked are burned up, then that's it. There's no more like eternal punishment. Okay. That seems right. I don't know if you can burn ash more. I wouldn't think so. I mean, it sounds right because then you kind of lose your fuel source. You have what's left after the fuel is gone. So, all right, sure. Psalm says, as smoke is driven away, as wax melteth, so the wicked perish. And again, it's like, come on, Psalms was written totally different context, talking about the wicked perishing. It wasn't talking about like the end times. It's just like he'll take things so vastly out of context and apply Mm -hmm. them to like, oh, this is... Definitely applying to this moment and this theological point I'm trying to make. Yeah, and also like the wicked parish could just mean a thousand things. I mean, that could mean in hell, that could mean in the right. earth forever, that right. could mean exactly. anything. He even mentioned Hitler. He was talking about Galatians 6.78 and he said, what a man soweth, he shall reap and God will not be mocked. I wrote down that he said, Hitler will suffer more, assuming he never repented. Oh, that's interesting. I think the rationale there was that We'll have this understanding of what we've done, uh-huh. and I think that'll be the suffering. He said, I know you want certain horrible people to be punished, but that's going to be the real punishment is just like finally being aware, like seeing all the bad that you did and feeling right. the weight of that. But that's assuming Hitler didn't repent. Right. And that's if Hitler's in hell? Where's Hitler when he's suffering? With like that, that brief glimmering moment when he's brought back to life brought before he gets burned okay. up. Right, got yeah, it. And I think maybe that's, you You burn up in God's glory. Right. And yeah, that's when that you... that oil and water can't be 
Can't be in God's presence. You know, it's like the villain in the movie who realizes he was wrong and then you see him burn up. Right. I mean, that's a very short-lived suffering. He didn't make it clear that that's his personal belief. He said, like, that's not necessarily scriptural, but this is... Uh, Hitler is not mentioned in the Bible. I want to be clear about this. Right, but even about that kind of like, this is the real moment of pain is where you finally realize the weight of your atrocities. Yeah, David was pretty good about pointing out when he was sort of like giving his yeah, own interpretations. Totally. Although I wouldn't say he was great about pointing out when he was giving Doug Bachelor's interpretations. Like sometimes he was giving things that I think were Doug Bachelor and Amazing Facts inventions rather than necessarily directly in the Bible. Oh, I'd say most of the time, yeah. Mm-hmm. He even said that he got in like a little debate with a Protestant minister on a plane asking him, well, why did he think that God would allow people to suffer forever? The minister had no good answer for him. Yeah, problem of suffering. That's a, that's a classic one. And he said, uh, yeah, I couldn't serve a God who did that. And the guy he was talking to said, well, all of that will be hidden from us. We won't see it. Uh-huh. And so Dave said, I didn't like that answer. You know, that like, you know, we're just ignorant of it. Uh-huh. You know, still just knowing that's happening is not going to let me be happy in heaven. So yeah, I credit to him for that, not wanting people to suffer right. endlessly. But on the same token, he's saying you should ignore all evidence that's contrary to the Bible. I mean... It's okay to ignore things sometimes. Yeah. Hmm. Well, you know, those are just Satan's ploys. Right. But I'm saying like here he's valuing this inner voice, right? This mm-hmm. this voice in, inside that's saying like it's wrong to serve a God like that. That's coming oh, out of him. Yes. And so maybe he would say that those other impulses are coming from somewhere else. Right. I'm just saying that's clearly not true. <laughs> yes, correct. And he also mentions that it's not a good reason to follow God out of fear. True. Yeah. Good. Yes. He made his point, and yet the Bible's going to back him up too. So we look at Ezekiel 18.32. I have no pleasure in the death of him that dieth. And, and there's more scripture. I'll save you. And so then he says, okay, well, uh, I know we have some fence posts to deal with here. What about the eternal fire that some verses speak of? So now we've got to get on our goggles where we're going to like take care of these Bible verses that don't line up tidily with this particular teaching. He looks at other uh, instances of fire in the Bible and like points out in Jude 1.7, it says that Sodom and Gomorrah suffered vengeance of eternal fire. He says, are they still burning? No. So it said eternal, but it didn't really mean eternal. Okay. Because they stopped burning. In 2 Peter 2.6, that Sodom and Gomorrah turned to ashes. So eternal fire's effects are eternal. So Sodom and Gomorrah didn't come back. See where we're going here? I'm nodding, yes. Yep, Carrie gets it. And then he points out like in Matthew 25.46, it says that the, that the wicked are subjected to everlasting punishment, not everlasting punishing. So again, he's, he's breaking apart English words. Uh, yeah. Ugh, come on. Yeah. So, so it's the effect was eternal, essentially. It's not ongoing. Oh, come on. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Uh, Ridiculous. So, this verse in particular really bothered me. Matthew 25, 46, and how they used it. Because it says in... Uh, This is from the the Net Bible translation. And these will depart into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Mm -hmm. And so this is where they're telling us, oh, it says, you know, eternal or everlasting punishment, not punishing. Okay, but I checked in an interlinear Bible. What is the difference in their minds between punishment and punishing? Punishment is something that 
happens and then it's final and it's done with. Whereas punishing is like, it's an ing present tense verb, like it continues on essentially. The punishment can be a, a point in time, punishing is an ongoing thing. But if it's eternal, it doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. And I checked in an interlinear Bible and eternal for both eternal punishment and eternal life are the same exact word in Greek. So maybe they'd have an argument if they were using slightly different words. Uh-huh. But no, it's like the exact same word. Bogus. Yeah, totally. But so what are you saying that eternal life is not actually eternal? Yeah, what? No, you agree with that one. So that means eternal. Right. Yeah, that really annoyed me. I was with them until now. Yeah. Before I was like, this group's really making sense. Yeah, this one kind of got on my nerves because I felt they were really playing fast and loose with the translated English language Mm -hmm. and the meaning of words and yeah, just really twisting this to make it all consistent when it's not. But I mean, I thought they were 100% right about everything until this moment. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And then you're like, oh, shoot, you lost me. Yeah, then I was like, this is starting to You weren't there that day, but just now my recounting Uh of this day. I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) I don't know if I want to join. Well, I'm glad we had this talk. Yeah. Okay, it gets worse. So Revelation 14.11, the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. Mm -hmm. So that's a tough fence post to deal with. Yeah. But did you know that the Bible sometimes uses forever to mean something else? Okay, so you're just saying that sometimes the Bible isn't correct. Uh, Sometimes it uses the language poetically. Uh, uh Uh-huh. Yeah, he gives a bunch of verses saying like, oh, and Samuel says that there he shall abide forever, but he only lived as long as one man, so he didn't abide there forever. And he gave a bunch of other examples. I mean, hey, that's fine. I mean, John Irving uses language poetically, but... I mean, that's a slippery road to go down, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. Oh, and, and when you do this, as Doug Batchelor often does, now that I've read some of his other stuff as well, you can just take anything you don't like and, oh, let's take this word and right. we're going to just very, very strictly define this and then we can make it not quite about what we want it or to be. Or very slipperily define right, it. Right, right. Yeah, s- and all of a sudden you have a Melissa Scott situation going on. Yeah, exactly. And so we essentially learned that forever doesn't mean forever when we don't want it to mean forever. In Mark 9, 43, it says that the fire shall never be quenched. And so quenched here just means intervention. There won't be an intervention. So again, they're just like, oh, let's take quenched and let's, you know, kind of make our own special reading of this. Yeah, it seems like at some point they're doing this sort of gut check where they're like, well, what feels right to me? Mm -hmm. Which is at some level checking in with quote unquote evidence. I mean, maybe not the best evidence on earth, but like the evidence of your own intuition, the kind of conversation you have with your subconscious mind about what feels like it checks out. Yeah. That is a certain kind of evidence. Yeah. I'm not saying it's great evidence, but I'm just saying like that's something a human being automatically does and always will be like a way you're using evidence. It's inescapable. Yeah, very much. We were just seeing the process here of apologetics, of mental gymnastics. Mm -hmm. uh, And these are smart people. And we see them using their brains to find some way to kind of wheedle their way out of the conflict between the Bible being exactly correct all the time and being consistent and these verses that clearly don't match up. Yeah. He, He also helps us disregard hell by telling us, did you know that the common conception of hell comes from paganism? 
Oh, not paganism. Oh, no. That's a thing that means not Christian. And I mean, in that definition, sure, that's fine. The, the idea of the afterlife didn't enter Judaism until they started to interact with other cultures like the Assyrians and the Greeks. So, okay, there's something to that if you want to just call them all pagans. Mm -hmm. It's kind of lazy. Also pagan, Christmas, Easter, Sunday, immortality of the soul. Oh, did he say all these? Yeah. So do they not celebrate Christmas? That's a good question. I wonder if they don't. But I mean, must not if he said that. But yeah, at least the whole celebration of December 25th. Right. You know, the origin is pagan. Yeah. By his definition. Cool. He covers the parable that Jesus gives about the rich man and Lazarus. So for those of you not familiar with the parable of Lazarus and the rich man, it's in Luke 16, and it tells the story of like this rich man who, it even says that the rich man is tormented in the place of the dead. That sounds pretty clear, like there's a place of torment. And he's suffering so much and burning, and he sees like he can view all the way over to heaven, and he sees Lazarus over, and, you know, I don't know why they used the name Lazarus, but as we would assume it's tied to Jesus knowing Lazarus who he brought back from the dead. Anyway, so Lazarus is up in heaven, and he's in the bosom of Abraham, and so he calls out, like, oh, please send Lazarus down to at least, like, just touch my tongue with water, you know, something, just ease the pain just a little bit. And so David here looks very concerned, like, okay, yeah, this is a difficult one. But then he tries to, you know, wheedle it away. Well, Jesus didn't make up this story. It had already been kind of passed around. He was just using it as an example of something else. But it's like, come on, you have Jesus himself talking about eternal torment mm. in the place of the dead. I mean, mm -hmm. that's pretty bad. I, d I don't want to give too much away, but I did talk to David about this later. And he said, yeah, well, if if I had written the Bible, I would have written this differently because I think it did confuse people. Mm. And, and I had to like stop him there like, whoa, 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 like hear yourself, hear what you just said. Like if you were writing the Bible, you would have written this differently. Yeah. That says a lot. Yeah. Uh, implies that someone imperfect wrote it. Indeed. Oh, yeah. It, it even bothered me in the the rich man and Lazarus story. He also says that when it says Lazarus was brought up to heaven into the bosom of Abraham, uh -huh. he says like, Sexy. now, could he actually fit inside of Abraham's bosom? Oh, come on. Yeah. No one thinks that means that. And I even talked to him later. I was like, yeah, come on. When they said that, that's metaphorical language. He's right. saying, you know by his side, and many right. translations show it that or way. Or embraced by him. Yeah, in the like, bosom. Yeah, he came to me. And you're like trying to say like, oh, it's not like he could actually stand up inside of, is Ab how big is Abraham? Is he like <laughs> 60 feet? That was, I think, just dishonest. Yeah. We were told that if we want to know more about all of this, we can go to helltruth.com. We can go to hell. So we are told about the website where we can go to learn more about hell. And I hope that website was good for you. Not really. I was looking at it, and the the first FAQ, which is like, is hell real, doesn't even have an answer. It's just a bunch of rhetorical questions about how great this website is going to be. Wow. Hmm. Okay. We're also taught that it is better to go through the fires of refinement than the fires of destruction. Yeah. All right. Agreed. Carrie's back on board. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we left. There was no pizza tonight, but they did give us oatmeal cream pies. Oh, Which that is nice. always a good thing. Yeah, sounds yummy. And there was evening and there was morning, the 13th day. And it was fine. Well, you know what would secure your place in eternal reward 
rather than eternal punishment. You'd have to do something good. Something very good. You'd have to selflessly give of yourself mm -hmm. to a worthy cause. Mm -hmm. Something more important than anything else in the world, like becoming part of a podcast network, for example. I can't think of anything more There uh, is literally important. not a more important cause. <laughs> like you could become part of Maximum Fun. That is really the best idea I can think of. You could go to MaximumFun.org. You could help support our show. You could click donate and you could sign up as a member, become part of the family, feel an ownership of this show and know that you're helping support our investigations. And this is the best time to do it because it is Max Fun Drive 2017. Yeah, I know you've been thinking like, oh, maybe I should sign up. Maybe I should support them. Well, this is the time to do it. There are also members who have said that they will donate for each new member. And so you're going to help increase that amount of donation. So your money goes that much farther. Yep. Now, maybe you're already a member. You can become an upgrading member. And that still goes toward our goal. Now, just as a reminder, we talked about it earlier in this episode. So go back if you missed it. But we're trying to get to at least a thousand new or upgrading on rack listeners. Yes. So make sure to choose us as a show you listen to. And then once we get to a thousand, we have a goal for 1500 and a goal for 2000. But the network is trying to get 10,000 new and upgrading members. So help us move toward this big goal. And we already told you what you can get. At the $5 level. We told you what you could get at the $10 level. But if you give $20 a month, oh my gosh, Ross, you can get the Keep In Touch kit. This is cool. There's a lot of stuff in here. So you get nine custom note cards with envelopes. Three They're really cute. Three are encouraging designs designed by Brian Sunny D. Fernandez, who designed our logo. Yes, he did. A four-color rocket pen that's adorable, a rocket stamp, a rocket-shaped candle, which smells like a freshly sharpened pencil. <laughs> And you're like, what's up with all the rockets? Well, if you didn't know, the rocket is the symbol of maximum fun. Yep. And it's all meant to inspire you in your correspondences. So you still get the pin, you still get the exclusive bonus content, but you also can finally keep in touch with your friends. But let's say you want to upgrade, you want to get to $35 a month. Oh, boy. Then you're going to get a pair of rocket-engraved beer mugs. These are pretty rad. These are some handsome-looking mugs. They have the Maximum Fun logo rocket on them. Maybe you've seen my very attractive shirt with the same logo. You have one also. I, too, have a shirt of that design. These are like those nice, heavy Yeah, these glass. are solid. Yeah. Solid mugs. You can beer frost them. Stein things. Mm -hmm. You get those for $35 a month. You still get the keep in touch kit. You still get the pin. You still get the bonus content that's hundreds, if not thousands of hours of bonus content. Probably hundreds, let's be real. But it's a lot. Let's say you want to be a real benefactor of Maximum Fun. You really enjoy the shows, a bunch of them, and you really want to support. There's a $100 per month membership level called the inner circle you join the inner circle and that's the monthly culture club so every month one of the show's hosts choose a book a movie an album something that they really enjoy that they want to share with you and you get a copy of that sent to you and you join along and you get a little note about why they like it so much and why they thought you'd like it it's real fun 
We've gotten to pick a couple of them. And then maybe you can give a hundred bucks a month and join our inner circle. Maybe you can give 200 bucks a month and get free registration for Max FunCon 2018. Now, if you haven't been to a Max FunCon, that's where you get to go meet hosts. That's where you get to go meet other Max Fun listeners. And there's all kinds of amazing comedy. There's music. There's live shows. There's We've taught a class on spoon bending in the past. Yep, it's pretty good. Free when you pay $200 a month. <laughs> but the, it's in high demand. It usually sells out. It does. But it's these $10, $20, and $35 monthly levels that are really our sustaining memberships. These are yes. the things that really keep us going. So if you're not at that level yet, we would love to get you there. Yeah, please join in. Yeah. If you're able to. We really appreciate it. And we want to send a huge thank you to everybody who's already supported our show. Uh, it means so much to us. It makes what we do possible uh, because we really couldn't continue to do it otherwise. Yeah. As you've probably noticed, our show is both time intensive and a bit costly. Yeah. And um, more so than a lot of podcasts are. And so we really do appreciate that there are people out there who help us keep this thing going because we literally couldn't make the show we make without your help. Then that, that is like the real use of the word literally yeah <laughs> not like that literally blew my mind right how are you talking so you can just head on over to maximumfund.org and click on donate to join or upgrade and this is the best time to do it this is when you get all of the cool incentives you get all the bonus content stuff we've created in the past and all of the new content we're going to release especially when we get a bunch of new signing members and this is also when it helps us the most of all the times in the year when it helps ross and carrie the most for you to support us it yeah, is really these, it really it does is help literally us the these most. 11 days that help us these two human beings the most. So you're hearing this now. I know you're thinking, oh, I don't know, maybe I could do this later. It won't help us as much if you sign up in April. Yep, that's so, correct. It's still, it's still good, but it's not as good. As the Bible would say, today is the day of signing up for Max Fun. That is in the Bible. It's in Christopher 29.1. Amen to that. So do it now. If and you thank got the you, time. Thank you. Thank you again. Thank you. Well, that is it for our show. There is far more to our investigation. We will come it's back. Never ending, Ross. Yeah, it. I will tell you, it does end. Because <laughs> I think I think I felt our listeners be like, "Wait, no, please tell me it does actually end." <laughs> it does, but there is a lot more to tell. But in a way, it's forever. But like, what does forever really mean? You know, it's Man, like, Curry, they, in a way, forever isn't forever. Every time yeah. after that, that they would use the word forever, I'd always like lean over to Jim or to you and be like, oh, is this really forever? Is this one forever? So we'll be bringing more. We're going to have at least one exciting guest, maybe more. Yeah. So, uh, so stay tuned and look forward to additional Maximum Fun content. Yeah. Well, that's it for our show. Our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton. Our show is produced and co-edited by Ian Kramer. And you can find us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com forward slash onrec. Even if you don't do the Facebook thing, you can check out pictures we post all kinds of supplemental materials there's videos up there really cool stuff we post articles and other things you might be interested in we interact with people it's really the other part of the ono ross and carrie experience yeah yeah so come in and like us if you're there if you're already part of facebook and yeah stay tuned to all the stuff that we're doing and uh, in between episodes we're posting lots of content there you can leave us a review on itunes that's another great way to support us yeah other Does people it cost one red cent other people can find us that way. Or if you're on Stitcher or Google Play, whatever service it is you use, leave us a positive review there. But most importantly, 
It's Max Fund Drive. This is the time to support us. MaximumFun.org forward slash donate. Yeah, man. And remember, from HellTruth.com. Today we want to give you hell to think about. You probably heard that if you made just one mistake, committed one sin and didn't repent, the law of God, which is holy, just and good, condemns your life and God will burn you in the flames of hell forever. It's true. Sin can keep you out of heaven, and God will purge sin from his universe with fire. But does the Bible teach that the lost burn forever in hell? If you're an agnostic, you might be thinking, if that's the kind of God you serve, I don't want anything to do with him. I could never respect or love a God who burns people in hell forever just because they don't love him in return. A well-meaning Christian might say, God is God. Who are we to judge what he does or doesn't do? After all, the Bible teaches that the wicked burn forever in hell, and that settles it. To embrace the idea of eternal hellfire, one must sacrifice any ideas of human compassion, feeling, or reason to this God of fire. As a Christian, it's one thing to say with conviction, the wicked burn forever. It's quite another to conceive of it being your own wife, husband, or child. Wouldn't you hate a divine being who would do such a horrible thing to the love of your life? For those of you who don't go to church, aren't religious, and have a problem with a God who would burn people in fire forever, don't walk away just yet. The ending will surprise you. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.